family. Now y'all not supposed to say good morning. You supposed to say good afternoon. You got to you got to find out what time it is. We we bring you greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to tell the ushers to lock the doors because y'all not going to get out of this one. I'm setting you up. Yes, I am. Um, Man, let me start real quick. Um, Thank God for the angel of this house, Dr. Myron Edmonds. Let's give Jesus a praise for Dr. Myron Edmonds and his lovely family, his lovely wife. Now, I didn't bring my favorite girl, my favorite girl this time in the, in, the, in the form of my lovely wife, Michelle. She is the church clerk at Bladensburg, and she's doing outreach. So the pastor didn't want us both to leave town again because she has some clerk things to do. But as I was sitting in the congregation this morning and this afternoon, what I recognized that I have another family. They in Cleveland. This is my first time in Cleveland. I've been around Cleveland and through places, but this is my first time. And I got to let you know, I'm not a guest anymore. Family. You, you know what that means? Family can talk to family, right? Amen. So I want to talk to family today because I love family. Turn with me to your Bibles, to the book of Numbers. Can anybody, does anybody know the August the 9th? What day was that on? Anybody know that day? That was a Sabbath, right? August the 9th. When I met and talked, rekindled our relationship with your pastor at, at Pine Forge during the camp meeting, and he said, Doc, I got to get you down. And I said, okay, whenever, you know, whenever you get time, I know you're busy schedule. I know you, God is doing great things at your ministry, immediately after I talked to him that Sabbath, my wife and I went in prayer and fasting to what God wanted me to share with this ministry. Because I'm not the type of person I already know what to share because I don't know the needs. God knows the needs of this ministry and where you are. And so I began to fast and pray. And on August the 9th, sitting on my deck, having lunch after Sabbath service, the Lord dropped Numbers chapter 13 in my spirit. I said, Lord, you know, sometimes we ask, ask God. I ask God because I'm real. I said, God, is is this what they need? He said, my son, this is what they need. I said, okay, daddy. I'm going to give them exactly what they need. Turn with me to the book of Numbers chapter 13, reading from verse 25 to verse 33. Then I'm going to preach. Then deliverance is going to come. Then faith is going to be revealed. Healing is going to take place. And then this transformation of this ministry is going to take place. Just like that with Jesus. See, I'm on assignment this afternoon. And my assignment is, is to lift up the name of Jesus to encourage the saints. I thank this dear sister for letting me borrow her Bible. I have an electronic copy that I left in my briefcase. And I didn't want to bring my my Bible because I have a big Bible. Because, you you know, once you get over over 5-0, things look a little different. You're not not praying with me. The Bible records in Numbers chapter 13 at verse 25. It says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community. Can you put Glenville there? Put Glenville there because this is about you wonderful, awesome Christians this morning. Then he says, at Kadesh in the desert of Paran, there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Wow. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. See, first of all, you need to understand that they had 40 days to look at the land. 
And they said it does flow with milk and honey. Let me move on. I, this, this print is little, but I'm going to hang there. We went into the land, and, and you said the land that you sent, it does flow with milk and honey. And they said it with an explanation point in this, and they said it with a, with a great deal of excitement. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified. And they're very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negevi, which is the hill country. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in, I'm sorry, they live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Verse number 30, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray. It's some more there. I'll get there. But Caleb, the Bible said Caleb told them, can I be real? Stop talking. He silenced the people. And he said, we well able, we are well able to possess the land. See, first of all, you got to understand something. The land was already given to them. They already closed on the house. You just needed to open the door and go in and move in. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for another opportunity to preach your word. God, I, I just don't need a visitation this afternoon. I need a move of God. Seal our hearts for your glory. Seal our spirits for your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. If I could use for a theme or a topic or a subject, unpopular faith on this play. Are you tired of being one of those who wants to fit in so badly? Sick of being an unpopular person? You try to fit in with the popular crowd and it didn't work? And that was that? Or was it? Being unpopular doesn't mean you're unlikable are unable to establish friendships. In fact, many of the most unpopular people form the fastest, strongest, and longest relationships with other so-called unpopular people. On the other hand, many of you have believed at one time or another that being popular is where it is. <laughs> but being unpopular versus being unpopular doesn't Immune you from rejection. Immune you from being hurt. Immune you from being disconnected. <laughs> I know that many of you here that are adults now understood how it was to be unpopular in growing up. You didn't look like you looked when you was in the sixth grade like you look now. You know? I was the tallest kid in the sixth grade. All I had was feet and legs. They told me, man, you got big feet. And you're skinny, you're bony. That's before some of your time, but anyway. But God this morning wants to let you know, for those that you are that are in this building, you face some situations. And, you, and the responses have rendered you unpopular. Jesus Christ was unpopular because he opposed the traditions of men that were contrary to the will of God. John 3, 19. Jesus was unpopular because he emphasized spiritual values, taught the vanity of material things. Jesus was unpopular because he exposed the sinfulness of self-righteous men and called sinners to repentance. Matthew 9, 13. But this afternoon, my brothers and sisters, I want to share with you a story that has had a profound effect on my life as a child of God. If you're going to live for God... There's going to be some times that you're going to be unpopular. 
If you're going to follow the gospel, there's going to be some people that reject you. There's going to be some people that don't want to hear what you have to say. There's going to be some people that call you out of your name. There's going to be some people that's going to lie on you when you take up your cross. This book, the book of Numbers chapter 13, it has a lot of richness in it. But I want to talk about the story. See, the story is around 12 leaders from the tribe of Israel. For those that you are Bible scholars, the Bible says in in Numbers 13 that Moses sent them out. But if you go to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy says that the people said that we wanted to go check out the land. And God gave the approval. So in this story, these these 12 spies are sent out in the land. He said, for 40 days. And by me being a retired Air Force person, these men did not have military training. They did not know how to strategically go out and look. But God gave them specific instructions. He said, go check out the land. Go to the hill, go down by the sea, go through the desert. He says, see if the walls of this land are fortified and check out the folks that live there. And then check out if it's fortified with fruit and it's have living um, fruit and vegetables. Check it out. And see, saints of God here at Glenville, God has called you to check out the land. He's called you to go look down at Euclid. Go go look at the places where he's sending you. And it blew my mind when I began to look at this thing. I said, God, you told them that the land is fruitful. But sometimes, you know, we as people, we got to see things before we believe it. You know, I see Christians. See, I know you've been in the church longer than I've been born. But see, some of us forget to use faith. But we use what we see with this naked eye. Or we get caught up in the senses. You know the five senses. How it tastes, how it smells, how we can hear it, how we can touch it. But that's not faith. Faith is something something's hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. Then Paul took it further. He said in, in Hebrews 10, 38, he said, now the just shall live by faith. Today, August the 30th, 2014, you have been commanded to live by faith. So let me move on. So they went out for 40 days. They had a 40-day vacation in the promised land. They checked out where they could go by the beach and take their families on a Sunday morning. Get you some nice, good old peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Maybe some stripples. And go on down there and have a nice church picnic at the beach. He said, not only that, go down to the cities and check out how it's built. See if the walls are fortified because you need to have access to your new home. You don't need to be hindered by walls. So they go out and they check it out for 40 days. And see, if I go somewhere for 40 days that God has told me to go, you better believe I'm coming back with the right report. So the Bible says that the people, the 12, 12, we've got to remember it was 12 leaders. It was 12 folks that had authority, so you think. 12 folks that were praying, so you think. 12 folks that were fasting, so you think. 12 folks that was keeping God's commandment, so you think. 12 folks that believed in praise and worship, so you think. But the Bible says, after 40 days, they came back. To give an evaluation of what they saw, of what they took back. 
Bible said that they brought back grapes from the valley of Eskol, which at that time when they picked the grapes, it was around July where the first fruits of the grapes was ripe and they were sweet. They said, guess what? Give me a whole cluster. The cluster was so big, one person couldn't carry it. So they took them with two people, one in the front, one on the back. And then they said the figs and the pomegranates were fresh as well. So they come back to, the, to where they was in the desert. You know, folks are waiting on you to come back after you go away. You know they're waiting on you to come to see what you say. 40 days, they will find out what your report is. So the Bible says, and I don't know which of the 10 stood up, but it was in the 10. And they said, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. There's the grapes. We had a good time out there, but that's what, that's what some of them said. Then, you know, you have negative John, negative Bob, negative Sam, negative Julius, negative Ralph, negative uh, Michael, negative Ernest, negative Reuben. Say, hold up. The land is flowing. We got the fruit. But there's a problem. There's a problem. We saw the sons of Anak there. We saw some folks there that were bigger than we were. We imagined that the cities was fortified and walled, and we can't do it. They're powerful. Now, if God tells you to go do something, if God tells you to go do something, don't you know God has already went there before you got there? I'm going to be out your way, but I'm going to deal with three things that, that stop them from believing God. The ten. Now, I really don't remember the ten because it don't matter. But I do remember two. Caleb and Joshua. I did my math on that because, you know, I like to get figures. So I divided two into 10 or 2 into 12 and it came out 1.67 believe God and the rest didn't 1.67 percentage did not believe God I'm sorry believe God the other ones didn't believe God the 10 spies allow fear to rob them of the capacity to trust God Beyond their emotions, beyond their sight, beyond their disabilities and their incapacities. So I like, I like the Greek words for fear, which is phobos. Pastor, some folks in here have phobia and they're fearful of what's about to take place in the next dimension. Folks that are afraid will get you killed in the military every time. See, let me, let me drop here for a minute. Let me drive. I spent 25 years in the Air Force. And I was a commander of a squadron. And Desert Seal, Desert Storm was rolling in. And I had a meeting with my troops. I said, now I need to ask you this question. Now I'm afraid too, but Jesus is on my side. Now, if you're afraid, you need to raise your hand because you're not going to get us killed by being afraid. Because when we go to war, I need everybody to strap up and be ready to go to war in the name of Jesus. See, what you must understand, that when you go on the enemy's territory, you don't have time for people that's afraid because you can get everybody killed and I had a wife that I wanted to see again he said sir I'm sorry I'm afraid 
But I said, thank you for your honesty. Go talk to the colonel. Because you will not be in this squadron. Going over there. Because we're afraid, but we didn't have time for you to be the weakest link. Y'all not talking to me. And so, they were afraid. The first thing that they lost, church, was the perspective. They lost what God had told them. They lost what God had promised them. They lost what God had anointed them to do because they allowed their fear to change their perspective. Let me break it down a little bit more. A particular attitude, the definition is a particular attitude towards our way of regarding something. A point of view which they saw outwardly. Their fear forced them to exaggerate the opposing fortification of the cities of Canaan. Fear will cause you to be delusional and make the devil bigger than what it really is in your life. The reason why your children can't excel in school because mommy and daddy are afraid of school. Well, that math may be too hard. That teacher may be too difficult. How about reading them, Timothy? For God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. Some of you can't see the new sanctuary because you've allowed the devil to bring fear to make you be phobic about the next level or dimension in Christ for this ministry. And some of you, God loves you so much that he's trying to get you back in believing that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above whatsoever you act or think according to the power that's in you. See, God don't raise folks up through your difficulties and your troubles and don't bring you out just so you can sit in fear. He bring you out so that you can dominate through Jesus the kingdom of darkness. I remember when I was in the first day church that I started a ministry from ground roots up. I had some folks, brother, with me, so they say. Had some folks that were praying, so they say. Had some folks that were worshiping, so they say. When we begin to take the city for Jesus, to go on the college campus and run crusades, they said, you going to bring all them young people in here? You know, we may not get seats. I said, the devil is a liar. I told them, well, if you don't want to be a part of this mission and this ministry, give them your seats. Because I'm concerned about souls being one to the kingdom of God. Let me tell you my perspective. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Gunville, you must start because you've been here 20, 40, 60, 80, 90. Did you supposed to stay here? Why? Why? Change your perspective. See, the problem is is that we caught up in what we see with our eyeballs instead of what we see through Jesus. I saw that wonderful sanctuary. I saw it up there. First time I saw it. And I can tell you now what I saw. <laughs> yeah. That's not big enough. But it's a start to where God's going to take you.
if you don't walk into it, you will never know what God got for you. Some of us have missed the miracle, the manifestation of God's power in your life because you're sitting where you shouldn't be sitting. God done told you to move on and you still talking to folk that don't want to move on. Oh, Lord. You have allowed those negative folks. No, let me, let me, I, you, I don't know your business, but those 10 spies, they said, we can't do this. Why leave a place of comfortability and go to a place we know nobody. You're not reading the book. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel men to come in, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So many folks have their own perspective and not God's. That's why you don't never have no joy. And stop saying happy Sabbath to me if you ain't happy. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm going to get back. I got some more for you. I'm loaded with Jesus this day. Loaded. The Bible said there's power of life and death in your mouth. If you can't say something that's led by the Spirit, shut your mouth. Because you're not speaking the devil is. And I'm not listening to the devil. Many of you here this afternoon have allowed the devil to threaten you. Make you afraid which even has forced you to blow up your current condition and your situation. You have accepted the spirit of the ten spies, and now you're so pessimistic about everything. Well, you know, I don't know where this young fella coming from. Dr. Edmonds, you know, he's just got too much energy. Back in my day, we would just wait on God and God would move. Oh, my Bible says faith without works is in the cemetery. Oh, no, it's dead. And if you're dead, you need to be in the cemetery. Well, I don't understand the leaders at Glenville. You know, they're all excited about moving forward. You know, I like my pew seat on every Sabbath. I may not get my seat if we go minister to the lost and we bring folks in that are drug out, drug addicts and cocaine addicts and whores and, and wife and husband abusers and we may not be able to lift up God. The last time I looked, the house of God supposed to be a hospital full of God's love and his power. To bring men and women, boys and girls, get to know Jesus. You've been on a job for 20 years and you haven't got a promotion. Check your perspective. You blaming everybody. Uh-oh. See, the wrong perspective will make you blame folk for your demise or your inability to move forward. Michael Jackson wrote a song, The Man in the Mirror. Put your name under the man and find out who you are this afternoon. The reason why you haven't moved and God's anointing and his faith is because of your perspective of Jesus. You got to know he is the son of the living God. He's a wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Prince of Peace. El Shadia, the Rose of Sharon. 
I love you, but I, I don't do well when folks don't move and God say move. Because if you're not going to move, excuse me, sweetie. I'll take this lane. You can sit right there. I'm going to move forward. Brethren, I'm going to mess with you for two seconds. God told you to make a move and you haven't moved. That's why your wife upset with you. Okay, let me get back to the message. Ooh, the second point. They went and invaded the land and spotted out, but the ten spies allowed fear to rob them of the right perception of who they were. Low self-esteem comes from other people. But when it stays on you, it's from you. They saw the land. They saw that the giants were there. They saw all of this stuff. And they also said that because they're bigger than we are. What you did say, what you didn't say, but you did say in your heart, they're bigger than God. Do you think God is worried about $100,000 when he said the earth is the Lord's, the fullness of the world that they dwell in? My Bible tells me that the wealth of the wicked are stored up for the righteous. Your perception of something, if it's negative, will cloud you from reaching your potential and your power in God. When you perceive those giants, those obstacles as being larger than God, guess what? Sickness is going to overtake you. Oh, I'm going to drive there for a couple moments. Don't you know when people get sick with a, with a disease like cancer, you know what the doctors first say? They, call, they bring in a, a psychologist or a clinician to talk to them about their mind. Because if your mind begins to believe that you're going to die, you're already dead. And you perceive that you're going to live in Jesus. Guess what? You may just mess around and live. What are you talking about, preacher? The Bible said King Hezekiah got the report. And he turned his face toward the wall. And God gave him 15 more years because his perception was changed of his condition. Let me give you more Bible. Y'all know about Naaman in Kings chapter 5, 1 Kings chapter 5, I believe. The man of valor. His perception of the prophet was twisted because who he thought he was. He said, I surely thought that the man of God would have come out. And pray over me and lay his hands and speak a word. But he sent his servant. Servant said, go watch down in Jordan for seven, seven times. Dip yourself. Hold up, God. Hold on now. I'm a man of God. I'm a leper. But there's some nice rivers that I could wash in. Why well, I got to go to the dirty, muddy Jordan. Because that's where the power of God is. God had to change his perception of where his healing could come from. Glenville, when you lock into God's perception of that you can have that building and more and get your behind out of the way, oh Lord, get your behind, your hind parts out of God's way. Some of you should be in further on with God, but you're still in the way. I learned this, elders, that I don't care how old you are, it doesn't determine how spiritually mature you are, how long you've been in the church. You've been in the way for 50 years, 40 years, 20 years. And you still got the same perception. I don't know why they trying to go somewhere. It ain't going to happen. It ain't never happened before. 
Why should I change my perception about God? Oh, you know what? God's about to move you. God's about to feel somebody else that wants to do the will of God. And that are willing to move in God's anointing and his power. I've never been to Euclid. I may be saying it wrong. But I've never been there. But I, I know one thing. It's some souls over there that need to know about Jesus. And God wants to use this ministry as an agent. Some of you wasn't praising and worshiping God today. You were sitting down on the Lord. Because you don't have the perception of God like somebody else. Well, you don't understand, young man. You know, when I came up in the church, we didn't have to do all that. Let the devil get behind you. You'll raise your hands and your voice. Help, Lord! Bless your name! Hallelujah! I'm almost done. I'm going to get out your hair. But let me tell you something. I refuse to allow negative folk to be around me. Let me tell you how I deal with negative folk. I love you, and I'm praying for you. And I have my all in my pocket. And I will lay hands on you in the name of Jesus, that God will fill your heart with his spirit. And that you will be positive at least one day in your life. Oh, we, okay, okay, thank you. I'm not going to be negative no more around you because I know you don't do well with negativity. Because nowhere in my Bible it tells me to be negative. It say make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so their, their fear brought, changed their perception of who they were. The biggest problem with our students and our kids is the perception of who they were, who they are. And they look at all these television programs, say, I won't be like this one, I won't be like that one, I won't be like her. And guess what, baby? It's not in your genes, sweetie. Bruh, it's not in your genes. But can I tell you what can be in your genes? Jesus Christ. Because he said in Psalm 139, 14, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. But you got to know who you are. And see, I made a decision a long time ago. I'm not going to let any people, any church, any whatever define who I am in Christ. God's still working on me. I haven't reached nothing. But I've been apprehended by this thing. And that's why I'm pressing toward the mark. Glenville, that new building, is the first phase of the mark. See, you will never know how big that house is. Oh, I got to drop this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes when you see houses on the outside, they don't look that big. Um, it's okay. You don't have to go with me. But I walked into this house, Pastor. This house never stopped ending. But it gives you an illusion that it's a small house till you get in. See, when you first come into the house of God... You really don't know your possibilities and your ability to do something because you knew in Christ. And this church may be all you know, but you still don't understand where God wants to take you until you continue to walk in the spirit, until you continue to allow him to grow you and to minister to you. And before you know it, you're doing things that everybody said you couldn't do. You're moving mountains with Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. When a person finds out who they are, you better watch out, Satan. Jesus knew I was coming here today. Satan also knew. So I told him, watch out. Because I'm coming for you at Exosia. The authority of Jesus. And I'm bringing my good buddy, Dudamus. God, I'm my power in Jesus. You don't know what you can be, young people, till you lock into Jesus. I was called to preach the gospel at 16 years old. 
I'm 54 plus right now. So you do the math. Never been locked up. Never been a drug addict. I'm not talking bad about them. Because we all came from something. I was broken other ways. But I praise God for my journey. Hasn't always been easy. Hasn't always been positive. But for Christ I live. For Christ I die. And guess what? It's some folks that don't like me right now. But I got their name on purpose, sister. So I can pray for them. (laughs) That God will deliver them. That God will save them. Let me tell you something. The biggest problem with our churches that want to grow is us. It's not God. I got to say this, Holy Ghost. So I learned some things, and, and y'all know I was in the first day. I, I came into the Seventh-day Adventist church for all of you theologians and you Pharisees and Sadducees. In 2003, I met my beautiful wife in the Seventh-day Adventist church. We dated for 15 months. She helped me change my perception of the Seventh-day Adventist church. Because when I was 11 years old, this woman knocked on the door. And she said, why are you not in church today? Don't you know this is Sabbath? I said, who? Well, you're going to hell. That scarred me for a long time. I said, I don't know nothing about the church, but God, why should I go to hell? Because I don't know. But God took me some places. And in times, God's time, in 2003, he united me with this grand ministry of people. Because guess what? I really don't care what you have on the door as long as, I do care if you're lifting up Jesus now. But if you ain't got love, if you ain't got joy, if you don't have power, I won't be joining God sent me to the right place for the right reason, for the right time. And so I got here as soon as I could. But now I know not just the truth, but the love of Christ through the Holy Ghost. And I was filled when I was 18 of the Holy Ghost with fire. Because I need the Holy Ghost. Your perception with the Holy Ghost will change how you look at things. Lastly, third point. Their purpose, fear and doubt and unbelief rob them of their purpose. Rob them of their purpose. Purpose in the natural dictionary says the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. If fear robs you of your purpose, Glenville, you will stop existing to do the will of God. And your purpose is not really based on your family history. Because if you check the history book, and be honest, there's some folks in your history didn't follow God wholly all the time. But when Christ came into your life, he decided to follow his commandments and to get the Holy Ghost. Your purpose changed. God wants to use this ministry to galvanize a nation. And we're concerned about what's in the land, which he already told us is ours. Every people and nation is to benefit from this purpose in your life. He told Abram in Genesis 12, he said, leave your father's folks. Go into a land that I will show you. Abram was 75 years old. He said, I'm going to make your name great. 
I'm going to bless you and your descendants. And you're going to become a father of nations. And I'm going to bless you with that promised child. But you got to leave from where you are. Because my spirit will not always strive with man. You got to go where the spirit is moving you. And when the spirit begins to move you, God will unfold your purpose a lot clearer and clearer. I wouldn't have never saw my purpose if I, I'm going to be honest, if I did not connect with the Seventh-day Adventist church. You, you, okay, let me break it down. The Bible says when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing and obtains favor. I found Michelle, which is a good thing, plus, 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 plus. And the favor of God has been on my wife and myself. Folks found out I went to the seven. They said, man, you enjoying the cold. I said, come on over, man. We had Bladenburg, Seventh-day Adventure. Come on over and worship with us on Sabbath. And you'll get a good cult Jesus experience. See, that's what you tell those folks that's talking crazy. Come on by. Woo. The ten spies allow fear to abort their purpose from them receiving the promises of God. Many of you here this afternoon have been listening to folks that want to abort the purpose in your life because they are afraid. Get off of Facebook if they're negative. Get off of Twitter if they're negative. Delete the voicemail after you hear, well, you know, we're not going to do that. You know, they're talking about we need $100,000. You know, that ain't going to happen because, you know, I'm on a fixed income. Your income's been fixed ever since you were born. Even when you had a job, it was fixed by Jesus. It was fixed by Jesus. Here's the thing, and I'm, I'm going to bring it in. After understanding what God wants to do for you and with you and through you and around you, your purpose is the key to you opening the door of your promises. It's too many Christians that are living less than they should live because they have allowed the devil through fear to rob them of their purpose which will make their promises not. And so we know the story after this, that they made all these announcements and, 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 and Caleb stealed them and told them to be quiet. And you look at Numbers chapter 14, they were so upset that he wanted to stone Caleb and Joshua because their faith was unpopular and it was on display. See, what you got to realize is that the devil don't like you when you have faith in God to do something that's impossible. The devil don't want you to have miracles because your miracles will change his threats into little things. For real, the devil is the only grasshopper in this picture because Jesus is the authority. He's sovereign. And so these brethren, these 10 spies, and pastor, I know you got some spies in here. You got 10 spies. Plus. Because you know they multiply when they get to telling people that we can't do that. And some of you want to go with the program, but you're listening to the wrong people. Get off of the fence and get in the game. Quick illustration. I played basketball. I used to go play a little bit. I had a little game. I used to do something on the court. I used to go baseline and bam, dunk, 40 years ago. 40 years ago. You got that. Y'all swift. I did not like riding the bench. So when I was a young guy playing with these older guys, the coach said, if you can play defense, you'll play. Oh, let me use these long arms and legs to play defense. Some of you are riding the bench, and God wants you to get in the game, the game of faith, 
the game of possibilities, the game of your purpose to receive God, do something so magnificent in your life through this ministry, through saving souls. Nothing is more gratifying to me than seeing people baptized. (sighs) Getting Bible studies and then getting baptized and taking their stand for Jesus. Let me plug in. Let me me give you this advertisement. Y'all about to have a baptism next week. Some of you folks in here know y'all need to be baptized. Don't wait. Don't wait too late. Some of you need to be rebaptized. Hello, lights. Baptism, you know, is your outward, outward showing of your purpose through Jesus. That I'm making a command decision. Then I'm going down in the watery grave. And I'm coming up out that watery grave. Refreshed. Renewed. Revitalized. So this morning, this afternoon, God wants to show you some things. And I'm going to close. Joshua and Caleb showed unpopular faith. Because they understood the purpose that God was calling them to. Let me just say this before I give you my four points. Your lack of perception in God. hmm, Your lack of perspective in God by faith and your lack of purpose will destroy your home life quicker than anything on this earth. Because your children know when you don't have faith. They know when you don't have the right perception, the right perspective, and they know that you're not walking in your purpose. See, you can play with me on this Sabbath afternoon because we all wear a mask, but that mask come off when you get home. And you tell, don't tell nobody at church I do this. Don't you open your mouth. And you're destroying your children from recognizing who Jesus is. And you rob them of understanding that they can have faith to bring home straight A's in school this year. Regardless of what their report card looked like last year. But you won't allow, you won't infuse them with power to believe that they can make it happen with Jesus. I counsel parents and I told one parent, I said, stop telling your children what they cannot do. Because the class is difficult. Well, see, when I was in school, up! How long ago were you in school? 30 years, okay. Give your children a chance to trust Jesus for a miracle. Four things I want to give you before I take my seat. The promises of God are yes and amen. And the children of Israel, because of their disobedience, because of their fear, became rebellious. And Moses had to avert the judgment of immediate death by calling on Jesus. He said, Father, if you annihilate them, they're going to say the God that brought them out of Egypt didn't have the patience or the authority or the power to bring them through. God listened to the request of the servant. And God said to them, be careful what the devil is setting you up for but not believing God. The Bible said every adult did not make it into the land of promise. A whole generation was annihilated. 40 years they had to repeat wilderness. 40 more years and they died off. So just to tell you this, I'm not trying to bring fear because it's in the word. Read it for yourself. I'd rather hang with God's plan than to hang with man's plan and rebel against God. Because you know what rebellion is? It's a sin of witchcraft. Oh, that's a whole nother message. I'll preach whenever. When you rebel, you miss the opportunity to walk into a new dimension with God. And God has called you to be the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. And I refuse to allow you to stop me from seeing what God has for me on this earth before he returns. Because he got some things for me. He has some things for you before he returns. 
There are four things you must believe in order to experience what God has promised you in your life, Glenville. You must believe that God will give you the right perspective in possessing what he has promised you. Your perspective will be keen with the spirit of God. And you will move into a different authority when your perspective is laying in the spirit and faith of God. People don't possess things with God until their perspective is connected with faith and belief. Secondly, you must believe that God will give you the right perception of yourself so that you may receive what God has promised you despite your past failures or mistakes. Thirdly, you must believe that God will fulfill his purpose in your life on what he has promised you to the letter, to the law, by grace and authority. See, God has promised this little preacher some things. And I'm not leaving until God fulfills his promises in my life. I want to see blended family institutes all over the largest cities to where we can stop the annihilation of the family, blended or not. I believe God to do that. Fourthly, you must believe that God will put the right people in your life that will assist you in possessing what he has promised. See, too many people in our lives are not going to allow us to possess because they don't have the same faith or the same belief or they don't have the same hunger to walk into what God has called them to walk. If you're not starving for the things of God, then you won't walk in. He said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after my righteousness. In Greenville, I see in the spirit souls coming by the truckload, gangbangers, drug addicts, alcoholics, whores, whoremongers coming into the new ministry. But guess what? Until you get your perspective right, your perception right, and your purpose, you will not be accommodating to them. So God has allowed you to go through this path so he can take you to that dimension that's real. Stand to your feet, please, if you will. If I drove on your street this afternoon, if you need God to strengthen your perspective in him, if you need God to strengthen your perception of who you are and who the devil is in him, I ask you to make your way out of those pews this afternoon. See, what I recognize here is that God loves you, Glenville. But God is not going to allow you to stop or to hinder or to slow down his anointing of winning the loss at any cost. So I want to invite you down this morning. Come on down. You know, see, the act of faith requires that you move outside of where you are. Let me do it this way, Holy Ghost. If you have made a decision this morning to surrender your attitude to the kingdom of God for this new ministry that's going on in Glenville, raise your hands. If you made a decision in your heart to be a part of this ministry that's going forward, raise your hands. If you have not made a decision, this is your opportunity to get it right with God. See, I can't see inside your heart. Secondly, make the decision in your heart that you will no longer be pessimistic about this move. That you will no longer bring doubt and fear. Because I don't want you to end up on the same side as the ten spies. And, and, and thirdly, God looking for some Joshua and Caleb. You ready? Raise your hand if you want to be one of them. And we're not concerned about gender. 
We're talking about faith through the Holy Ghost. That you declare that I'm going to be Joshua and Caleb for Jesus. Thank you so much.